let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Rev. Richard C. Whitcomb. Once there was a young man named Jacob who rented a room in a compound from a man named Parkissi. Well, one night Jacob came home from church to find a big commotion in the compound where he lived. Parkissi was outside shouting and waving his arms and all the people in the compound were talking at once. Someone has stolen my cloth, Parkissi was shouting. Whoever has taken my cloth must pay. Well, everyone in the compound denied that they had stolen the cloth. And of course, Jacob denied it too. After all, Jacob had no intention of stealing anyone's cloth. But nothing anyone said could settle Parkissi. We will see who has done this, he said, and that person will pay. It was a messy situation. But Jacob didn't take it too seriously. He just shrugged it off and went inside. Little did Jacob know that the mess was about to get messier. The next morning, Pakisi went to the chief to report that his cloth had been stolen. Since everyone in the compound denied stealing the cloth, the chief ordered everyone in the compound to swear juju at the shrine so that they could discover the thief. And suddenly, Jacob was in an awkward situation. As a Christian, he didn't want to go anywhere near the shrine. Yet if he didn't go, everyone in the compound would think that he was the thief. At first, Jacob tried to resist the pressure to go and swear juju. But the more he resisted, the more people accused him. Finally, not knowing how to handle the pressure, Jacob gave in and went with Pakisi and all the compound people to swear juju. But when the fetish priest made his determination, Jacob got the shock of his life. The priest pointed at Jacob and declared that he was the thief. The juju had lied. Hey! Now Jacob was in a real mess. He had not stolen the cloth, but the juju said he had. Pakisi and all the compound people were convinced that Jacob was a thief. The chief ordered Jacob to pay Pakisi for the cloth but he had no money to pay. In a panic, he went to a money lender to borrow money to pay for the cloth. He paid Pakisi, but now everyone in the compound thought he was a thief. No one would speak to him, but he had nowhere else to go. Then the money lender started chasing Jacob to repay the loan with interest. The church he attended began to scorn him for going to the shrine. And before he knew what had happened, Jacob was in the deepest mess of his life. He had lost his reputation, his friends, his money, and his peace of mind. Things just seemed to be getting worse and worse. Jacob had made the mess messier. Have you ever faced a situation like Jacob where your mess just keeps getting messier? Have you ever been in a place where it seems like things are going from bad to worse? We all face messes in life that can discourage us and trip us up. Yet sadly, oftentimes minor messes become major messes because we react wrongly to the mess. A chain reaction of wrong responses can end up making a messy situation messier and leaving us feeling confused and hopeless. 
That's why today we're going to learn some practical lessons from God's Word about what to do when you're facing a mess. We're going to learn how to get on the path to fixing the mess. But before we learn more, let's bow our heads and pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we thank you for teaching us today from your word. We calm our hearts and minds before you, and we ask you to pour out your spirit of revelation and truth that we might know the way to fix the messes we face right now. We submit to you and bind every voice of the devil that would come to deceive or disturb us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit to give us light and life and revelation and to help us clean up our mess. We thank you by faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I invite you to join your faith with me right now. Put your hand on your chest and pray after me. Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Truth For Today. I'm so glad you've joined me as we take part two in our sermon series, Address the Mess. Today's message is titled, Don't Mess Up, so tell your neighbor, don't mess up. Throughout this month, we're on a quest to discover how to find solutions for the messes in our lives. The fact is, every one of us has to learn how to address the mess because we all have messes in our lives. You may be in a mess right now, or maybe you just came out of a mess, or maybe a mess is about to face you around the corner. But no matter who you are, or what you've done, or how good you may appear, everyone everywhere has experienced a mess at some time in life. But whatever mess you face, and however it happened, Jesus wants you to know that he can help you address the mess because Jesus is the great fixer. He can repair every problem and clean up every mess and set you on the right path. If you believe it, say amen. So let's look to God's word today to find out how to address the mess. And to do that, we've printed and prepared sermon notes. You'll find the sermon notes and our daily devotional available free of charge on my website and my social media pages. So go ahead and download the notes and follow along as we discover how you can address the mess and not mess up. At the top of your notes, our scripture text is written. It's found in Psalms 9, 7 to 8. And I'd like to invite everybody to read it out loud together with me. If you're watching online or on YouTube or Facebook, let's read it all together. Are you ready? Here we go. Three, two, one, go. God sees and sets the world's mess right. He decides what is right for us. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your heart today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I love the simple truth in these two verses. God sees our mess and he sets it right. He knows exactly how to fix your mess. And that's a powerful promise for all of us today. God knows all about your mess and he knows a solution for you. So let's take a few minutes today to find out from God's word three steps you can take today when you're facing a mess. And here's your first step. Don't Make the mess messier. Amen. Just tell your neighbor, don't make the mess messier. When you're facing a mess, don't make things worse. Don't make your mess messier. See, the problem we have is that often our reaction to the mess can be worse than the mess itself. 
That's the lesson we can learn from the true story of a man in America named William Heiss. William Heiss woke up one morning to discover that water was leaking into his flat from a burst pipe in the flat above his. Well, his first thought was, I need to get a plumber to fix the leaking pipe and stop my flat from flooding. So he jumped out of the room, rushed outside, went to his car to go and fetch a plumber. But when he got outside, he discovered that his car had a flat tire. William fixed the tire and was about to go find the plumber, but when he turned and saw his flat, he realized that the flood was getting very serious. There was no time to go and get a plumber. Instead, he decided to go inside and call a friend to come and help him. So William Heiss ran inside and picked up his phone. But unfortunately, his phone was plugged into the socket in the wall, and William Heiss was standing in the water that had flooded his flat. So when he picked up the phone, William got the shock of his life from using the phone while standing in the water. The shock was so bad, he pulled the phone from the cord, and it fell into the water and was spoiled. Now, he couldn't make a call, so he decided he should run outside and yell for help. But the water in the flat had made the floor slippery. So when William went to run, he slipped on the floor and fell down and injured his back. As he lay on his back, he looked up and saw that the ceiling was collapsing all around him. Hey! His mess had gone from bad to worse. It started with a leaking pipe, to a flooded flat, to a damaged phone, to an injured back, to a collapsing ceiling. His mess was getting messier. And yet, most of the mess could have been prevented if William had simply done one simple thing from the beginning. If when he saw the flood coming, he had simply gone outside and turned off the tap to the house. In his haste to stop the mess, William had forgotten to do the one thing that would have solved the problem at once. He'd forgotten to shut off the water to the flat. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 19, 2-3, enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. Haste makes mistakes. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness, and then they get angry at the Lord. So here's the first truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. First options often make the mess messier. When addressing a mess, first options are usually not the best options. Our first reaction to a mess is often the wrong reaction. We might react in fear or in doubt or in anger, and we make the mess messier when we hastily follow our first reaction. For example, when caught in a mess, a lot of people are tempted to tell a lie, but the lie will eventually be exposed and you will make the mess messier. Sometimes when we're caught in a mess, we're tempted to speak negatively and curse our own lives. Oh, this is terrible. This thing will destroy me. I'll never be free. Or when caught in a mess, our first reaction is often self-defense. We get angry, we lash out, we accuse other people, and we say things we later regret. An argument ensues and it escalates. That's why the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 5.2, Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. For when we react in haste to our mess we make a mess messier. 
what started out as a misunderstanding can turn into a civil war. And when we react in anger and make the mess messier, we end up behaving foolishly. That's why Proverbs 14, 17 says, a quick-tempered person does foolish things, and the one who devises evil schemes is hated. And that's the lesson we can learn from the king who had a very hot temper. This king was so angry and so mean that if you crossed him at all, he would punish you. He had 10 wild, big, ferocious dogs, and he'd been known to throw disobedient servants into the dog pen until they ate and killed the servant. Well, one day, a trusted and hard-working servant of the king, who'd served the king faithfully for 10 years, happened to make a mistake, and it ended up in a mess. The king became furious. He lost his temper and quickly ordered this faithful servant to be thrown to the 10 wild dogs so that they would torture and kill him. Everyone was distressed. How could the king send this trusted servant who'd served him for 10 years to be tortured and fed by the wild dogs? But the servant himself remained calm. Even though he faced a terrible mess, he didn't react. He simply bowed to the king and said, I will gladly go to your dogs. However, since I've served you for 10 years, I ask only that you give me 10 days to put my house in order. Well, by now, the king had calmed down a bit, so he thought about the 10 years of faithful service and decided to give this man 10 days to put his house in order. Well, the condemned servant then went to the guard who kept watch over the 10 dogs, and the servant made an unusual request. He said, I would like to ask you that for the next 10 days, allow me to feed the dogs and care for them. The guard was surprised. Why would you want to care for the dogs who were going to kill and eat you? But in the end, the guard agreed. So for 10 days, this condemned servant came every day. He fed the dogs by hand. He bathed them and petted them and groomed them and provided all sorts of care for them. And when the 10 days were over, the king ordered the servant would be thrown into the pen with the dogs for his punishment. But when the condemned servant was thrown into the pen, everyone was amazed to see that the dogs did not attack him. The dogs did not bite him. They came wagging their tails and were licking his feet and were excited to see him. The king was shocked. What has happened to my dogs? He shouted. Then the servant replied, I served your dogs for only 10 days, yet they did not forget my service. I served you for 10 years. And yet, with one mistake, you forgot everything I've done for you. Suddenly, the king realized his error. He felt ashamed at his quick-tempered, foolish reaction. And he ordered the servant set free. For the fact is, reacting to a mess in anger may make you feel better momentarily. But it won't make things better. You may feel good when you lash out at someone and give them a piece of your mind for the mess they caused, but it only makes things worse. You cannot use someone else's bad behavior as an excuse for your own bad behavior. In other words, don't use someone else's mess as an excuse to make your own mess. That's why the Bible says in James 1, 19 to 20, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick 
to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Tell your neighbor he's talking about you. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. In other words, you cannot clean up a mess by using messy methods. You can't solve a mess by creating another mess. So your first step when facing a mess is don't make the mess messier. Here's what you need to do instead. Point to discern God's message in your mess. You have to discern what God is speaking to you. What message does he have for you in this mess? Because believe it or not, God wants to speak to you in the midst of your mess. And that's why we have to seek God. No matter how clever we are, no matter how much experience we have in handling messes, we need to go to God and seek him and say, Lord, speak to me. What's the message in this? mess because God has the right perspective. God sees what you don't see. God looks from heaven and looks outside your problem and he's the only one who can see our mess and give us the wisdom we need to get out of it. That's the lesson we can learn from what happened uh, a few years ago on a flight from Norway to Germany. Norwegian Air Flight DY1156 took off from Oslo, Norway on January 27th, on its way to Munich, Germany. But shortly into the flight, the crew discovered there was a problem with the toilets on board. All the toilets had an issue. They were a mess. There was a serious plumbing problem on the plane, and none of the toilets could be used. So the airplane had to turn around and go back to Norway to fix the toilets before it could continue on its journey to Germany. But what made this incident so interesting is that on the plane at the time there were 85 plumbers on board the flight. You see the 85 plumbers were headed to Germany to attend a plumbers conference. So the plane had a plumbing problem. The plane had 85 professional plumbers on board but the plane had to turn back to fix the toilet. Why couldn't the 85 plumbers on board the plane fix the toilet on the plane? For one simple reason. The problem with the toilets could only be fixed from outside the plane. And since the plumbers on the plane could not go outside the plane while it was flying in midair, they couldn't solve the problem. All their knowledge and all their experience and all their expertise were not able to fix the mess. And that's how it is for each and every one of us. Your problem can only be solved from the outside. Your problem can only be cleaned up when God who is above looks down and directs you. You may have knowledge. You may have experience. You may be a marriage counselor yourself, but you still need outside help to solve the mess in your life. That's why you need to discern God's message in your mess. Somebody say amen. For the fact is wisdom and knowledge and understanding come from God. Proverbs 2.6 says, for the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So the step you need to take today if you're facing a mess is to seek God. But the good news is when you seek God, he will answer. When you call upon him, he will give you the wisdom you need to clean up your mess. Somebody say thank you, Lord. For you see, Bible tells us in Proverbs 28.5, evildoers do not understand what is right, but those who seek the Lord understand it fully. And I'm here to declare to you today, if you'll get down and seek the Lord, you will understand the mess. You'll understand what started it. You'll understand understand where it came from. You'll 
understand how to solve it. That's why you need to ask God today, where did this mess come from? Is it a result of my mistake or the devil's attack or is it just part of life? See, when it comes down to the source of the mess in your life, there's only a few sources. It might be the devil who caused the mess. It might be something else that someone did. It might be something you did. But here's the problem. All too often, we default to another answer that isn't always the correct one. All too often, we default to the devil. Many of us tend to view every mess as an attack from Satan. But the devil is not as involved in as many messes as you think. The reality is sometimes messes just happen. Messes are a part of life. Not every traffic jam, not every ghost law was inspired by the devil. Hallelujah. Sometimes they just happen. A few years ago, sociologists took a survey and asked people to identify the most common cause of the mess in their lives. Do you know what is shocking? 25% of the people in the survey said that one of the biggest causes of the mess in their life was if they woke up and had a bad hair day. Hey, ladies, Abba, what is happening? In other words, the mess in your hair made a mess of your day. But the fact is, messy hair just happens. It's not the devil. It's not the witch in the village. It's just messy hair. Get over it. And here's the truth you need to keep in mind. If you keep a positive attitude, God can turn your mess into a message. It reminds me of the young man who was so poor, he didn't have any decent trousers. He could only wear jeans which had been torn on the leg. There were holes in the knees of the jean and holes all the way down to the calf. Well, one day this poor guy was walking down the street when a fashion designer in his Mercedes Benz passed him on the road and said, hey, that guy looks swag, he looks cool. The fashion designer went home and tore holes in his jeans. Soon other people were tearing holes in their jeans. Today, ripped jeans are a fashion statement. So ladies, how do you know that your messy hair may become a fashion trend? You may appear on the cover of a magazine. For all you know, your fashionable messy hair might trend. See, the good news for us as Christians is that this, if the mess is part of life, you can trust God to turn it around and use it for good. If the mess is from the devil, you need to know so you can stand in spiritual warfare and solve the problem. But if the mess is from your own wrong decision, then you need to know so that you can gain wisdom from God to change your direction. If the mess is from your own wrong actions, you can change with God's wisdom. You need to listen to God. You need to hear his message. For if your mess was caused by your own sin, you can't clean it up by committing more sins. You can't make a mess better by adding to the mess. You have to find God's path and God's plan and follow it. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you. If you ignore virtue, you will always make a mess messier. See, virtue is a right response to a mess. Virtue comes when we discern God's message to us in a mess and conform to his truth. The virtuous choice will always lead you out of the mess. That's why you have to seek God and hear from him. For when you ask God to show you the source of the mess, he will speak you. In fact, that's the lesson we can learn from the story of prophet Haggai. 
You may never have heard of Prophet Haggai, but he actually wrote a book in the Old Testament. In his days, the people of God were facing terrible messes. The people were in a mess. Everywhere it was wrong. Things were not working out for them. Everything ended up in a problem. But the amazing thing was this. God had a message for his people in their mess. And he clearly spoke to his people through the prophet Haggai and told them exactly why they were in a mess. Let me read to you what God said in Haggai 1, 5 to 11. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be a little. What you brought home, I blew away. So God is speaking to his people, and he says it to them twice. Give attention to your thoughts. He understands they're in a mess. He knows they have a problem. He sees that their wealth is being blown away. He sees there's a mess everywhere and nothing's going well. But he repeatedly tells them, give careful thought to your ways. The problem is not from the devil. It's not the witch in the village. It's not just something that happened. There's something about what you're doing that is causing the mess. So he continues in verse 9. And tells them this. Why? Why is all this happening to you? Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain and the new wine, the olive oil and everything, on people and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. So God begins to explain to them, your reaction, your problem, your behavior has caused me to curse you and judge you. What was the sin they were committing? They were ignoring God's house, the mess they'd made, was their own problem. Have you ever felt frustrated? Have you ever felt like the people in Prophet Haggai's day? Have you ever felt like nothing is working? No matter what you do, everything goes wrong, gets worse, and falls apart. Then you need to honestly ask God, what is your message to me in this mess? What part have I played in contributing to this mess? Examine your choices. Give careful thought to your ways. Because it may be that there's something you're doing that displeases the Lord. It may be you're neglecting God's house. It may be you're facing frustration because you're focused on your plan and your agenda and your pride and your success and your ambition and your popularity instead of focusing on following Jesus. And if you'll discern the message in your mess, then God will turn your mess into a message for other people. That's what happened to the people that the prophet Haggai was prophesying to. Listen to what happened next. When the people of God responded to God, he turned things around. When they repented and came back to him, he cleaned up 
their mess. Listen to chapter 1, 12 to 13. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of God's people began to obey the message from the Lord their God. They listened to the message in their mess. When they heard the words of the prophet Haggai, whom the Lord their God had said, the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave the people this message from the Lord. I am with you, says the Lord. So when the people responded to God's message in their mess, then he responded to them. He reassured them of his presence and he broke the bondage of their frustration and God cleaned up their mess. Somebody shout hallelujah. For the fact is when you hear God's message, he will get you out of your mess. And that brings us to our third truth today. Depend on God to help you make it through your mess. So how do you address the mess? First of all, don't make it messier. Secondly, don't ignore virtue. Listen to God's message in the mess and he will turn it around. And third, depend on God. That's what King David did. Listen to what he wrote in Psalm 71, 1 to 3. I run for dear life to God. I'll never live to regret it. Do what you do so well. Get me out of this mess and up on my feet. Put your ear to the ground, Lord, and listen. Give me space for salvation. Be a guest room where I can retreat. You said your door was always open. You're my salvation, my vast granite fortress. And I'm here to declare to you today, no matter how big your mess, no matter how great your frustration, no matter how insolvable your problem may appear, there's a God in heaven who has a promise for you today. He will come near to you. He will turn your mess into a blessing. He will get you through your mess. He will help you make it through and he will turn it into a blessing. I prophesy to you today, if you remain faithful, there's no mess in your life. God won't help you make it through. He will turn your mess into a masterpiece. Somebody shout hallelujah. That's the lesson we can learn from one of my church members here at Agape, a man named McCaffrey Awuku. McCaffrey is a faithful servant in this house, uh, and he serves the Lord. But not only does he do that, he's become an expert at turning a mess into a masterpiece. A few years ago, McCaffrey realized that plastic uh, was making a mess of our beautiful homeland, Ghana. After all, we all love our plastics. We use polythene for everything, especially takeaway. I mean, House of Cocoa, Wache, Banku, and Kofi Brookman, they all come in plastic bags. Nobody so. In fact, Ghana produces about 1.7 million tons of plastic mess every year. Hey, nobis Martino. There's plastic mess all around us in every home, every shop, every market, every street. And when it rains in Accra, our streets flood because the gutters and waterways are choked with plastic mess. We have a plastic mess problem, and we need a strategy to deal with our mess. But McCaffrey has developed that strategy. He started Macking Torch uh, Creatives to solve the plastic waste problem by using plastic mess to clean plastic mess. The company he formed uses discarded plastic water bottles to create dustbins and laundry baskets. For every dustbin produced, more than 60 discarded plastic bottles are reused. 
millions of discarded plastic bottles could be utilized to make dustbins all around Ghana, which in turn would further reduce the mess in our country. McCaffrey is turning a mess into a prosperous, successful, helpful business. Using discarded mess to clean up a mess is a double win for him and for our nation, Ghana. We're proud of you, McCaffrey. That's what God wants to do with your mess. He not only wants to clean up your mess, he wants to use your mess to be a blessing to others. So what mess do you have in your life right now that God can turn around? Is it a mess in your marriage, a mess in your finance, a mess in your hostel, a mess in your mind? If you'll stay in faith, if you'll keep trusting God, if you'll listen to him and follow him, he can deliver you from any mess and make your mess a blessing. God's famous for getting people out of a mess. When Adam and Eve were in a mess in the garden, God helped cover them and gave them a promise of redemption. When the children of Israel were in a mess in Egypt, God delivered them. When Daniel was in a mess in the lion's den, God saved him. When Paul and Silas were in a mess in the Philippian prison, God rescued them. And when we hear their stories, we look at the end and we rejoice. The mess was part of the problem, but their story didn't end with a mess. It ends with a message of deliverance and hope and salvation and freedom. And that's how your mess is going to end today. It won't end in a mess. It won't end in misery. It won't end in trouble. You will make it through when you follow Jesus. Your mess won't end in misery. It will end in a blessing and a masterpiece when you trust in God. For when you determine to follow Jesus out of your mess, when you're committed to discerning his voice and live in his virtue, you, then God is committed to you. When you commit yourself to Christ, he commits himself to you. If you promise to follow Jesus in virtue, then he will take responsibility for your mess. So follow the Lord and let God take responsibility for the outcome of your journey. Let your cry be the cry of David in Psalm 79, 89. Hurry up and help us. We're at the end of our rope. You're famous for helping God, give us a break. Your reputation is on the line. Pull us out of this mess. Everybody say mess. Forgive us our sins. Do what you're famous for doing. So here's your final truth to pack up and take home with you today. God never delights in your mess, but he takes great delight in how his mercy can turn your biggest mess into a life transforming message. That's why King David wrote in Psalm 30, 11 to 12, you have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You've taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy that I might sing praises to you and may not be silent. Oh Lord my God, I give you thanks forever. See, God is so great and God is so kind. He can deliver you from every mess he can take what looks like a loss and turn it to victory. He can take what seems like defeat and turn it to joy. 
That's what he did on Calvary. He took what looked like an end, a finish, a defeat, and made it the greatest triumph in human history. He took his death and made it life for us. He turned our mess into a message of grace. He turned our sin into a story of salvation. He turned our trouble into triumph. He took our mess and made it a miracle. He never gave up on you. He never will. And because Jesus made it through the cross, you can make it through your mess today. His power and strength are yours when you look to him in faith. So don't give up. Don't mess up. Don't react to your message with fear or doubt. Don't make it messier. Determine to make it through your mess. For resurrection is on the other side. Victory is on the other side. A masterpiece will come from your mess when you don't mess up. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everyone watching and listening today. I pray that you will speak comfort to those in a mess right now. Those facing marital mess. Those facing financial mess. Those facing relationship mess. Family mess. Personal mess. A mess in their mind. Lord, speak right now. Show us the way out. Show us the source of the mess so that we can take appropriate action. Lord, if that mess is from the devil, we bind you, Satan, and cast you out in the name of Jesus. Lord, if that mess is just part of life, give us the courage and the faith to trust in you and sing praises in the midst of our mess. But Lord, if the mess is from our own wrong choices, speak to us. Give us your message in the mess and help us to turn it around, give it to you, and to follow you. I loose and release miracle power on each and every one watching and listening today. I loose and release your grace to turn their mess into a message and a masterpiece for your glory. And I thank you and I praise you today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Legon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30 a.m., 9.30 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.